All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a rock. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? Not me. I'm in my The guy with the gun, all right. Pissed off, sort of, anyway. So, uh, for those that have visited my podcast site at Podbean, um, I had to make some changes because Podbean themselves are... They sent me an email basically saying that they were doing away with my skin that I was using, which was really just a basic skin, but I liked it because it was very linear and very compact so I can get a lot more on the screen um so I made a mistake of last night really late because I was it was real fucking late when I got it so I thought okay let me go see because they were saying that the skin I was using would not work with phones which ironically when I go into the Podbean uh app on my phone it doesn't really have a skin at all. It's just its own thing. So it just really, even the skin that I had didn't show up on that, on my app. So I'm not sure why I even bothered doing anything. But I went and I started looking around at different things. But then what happened is when I started applying some of these things to see how it looked, I went to go put my old one back on and it wasn't even listed anymore. So I lost it. I could have kept it, or maybe they might have just stripped it from me eventually anyway. But I don't know. But. I had to choose a new one, and I was getting frustrated because I was tired, and so I found one that, you know, basically does what I want it to do, but the problem is, it's not as compact. I mean, the image I have to use, because, you know, I don't like, it was, it, initially it was set for, like, a blog designed for fitness, but of course that's not what my blog is about, so had to change the background picture, and I wanted to find something kind of cool. Which I did, but the problem is, in order to get the reach across the entire page or whatever for the the site, um, it has to be it's real big. So even though now, like I got my episode listed the way I want, we can see you know the information and the bands and everything that are in the the playlist. 
Uh, it just looks, you know, not as good as the other one. Uh, I guess the other thing is, too, like, there were other types of themes that allowed me to do certain things where, like, list, like, five episodes together. But once you clicked it, it took you to a whole nother page. And, I, you know, sometimes people just don't want to be dealing with going to multiple pages and all that shit. So I try to make it as easy as possible whenever I, uh, you know upload a new episode of the, the podcast but you know i liked it where i at least had two of them available like the two most recent that i had done so people can choose from and now you're only stuck with just the one i mean you can go back to older posts and find the other episodes not that big a deal but i don't know it was just it's kind of a pain in the ass that podbean did that even ironically like you know they say i can't use the old theme with the phone but I didn't have the theme on there anyway. It was just a standard podcast, Podbean thing. So, kind of weird that it all fucking happened. But here we are. It'll, it'll work out. As, as I go to play with it more, I'll try to figure it out some more and how to try to get that image to be a little bit smaller. So it's not taking up like half your page. But either way, uh, it'll work out. Uh, music's still good. and uh, uh, This week, today... A lot of good music coming along your way. Uh, a lot of old classics. Uh, I got some new stuff from some various uh, labels and promotional sites that I work with. Uh, if you missed it on Facebook, I gave a shout out to uh, a lot of my supporters, friends, uh, labels, bands, artists, uh, other radio sites, and just good people all around that have been supporting Neko and I with this podcast endeavor. So many thanks to them for this. Uh, got some pretty cool topics to get to, stuff that I was not aware of, um, in general, just like as far as movies and some music news, so a lot of cool, well, a little bit of music news anyway. So we're going to kick off the first block here, uh, this is all like old school shit, and we're going to do some Austrian Death Machine, chill out, dickwad. You have children younger than John Connor, you should probably skip this next track, unless, you know... You want me to be the one to teach him all about the human anatomy. <laughs>
Project from London, Ontario, Canada. Uh, the guy, the main artist, is uh, Damon Scott. He apparently he's had a few people since 2012 help out a little bit with his work. But I've been into this guy and his work since like 2005 with the debut uh, "Sailing the Seas of Fate." Um, that track came off of 2008's uh, "Beyond the North Wind." So I love the acoustics and the folk and pagan uh, mix in there with a little bit of black. Great stuff from him. Uh, before that, Classic Halford. And before that, uh, we had uh, Austrian Death Machine. Chill out, Dick Wad. So I wanted to get to a little bit about some music news. Uh, one of my longtime favorite bands is Fear Factory. And uh, despite, like, you know, the comings and goings of members and, you know, some they were, for a while, they were, like, shut down it they stopped doing the project then came back i think in early 2004 or something like that with archetype and then uh of course they're still going but some of the things i didn't realize what were still happening is currently they're still like so many bands now it's so it pisses me off that this shit happens because it just really irks me because a lot of these bands are my favorite but then we start getting into who owns the rights to the name uh, members that aren't at the members anymore they get pissy and they want to keep the fucking name even though they're not touring under the name or doing anything with the band name they just want to stick their dicks into the other guy and say you know what you can't use my name because I'm a fucking petty little bitch I just I fucking hate that shit period so apparently Christian and Raymond Herrera uh, who aren't in the band anymore are in a legal battle with Burton Bell and Dino for the rights to use the fucking name now, Christian and Raymond may actually have the rights to it, but it's like, if you're not fucking doing anything with the fucking band, because I know that Burton is, uh, so just let them fucking use the name. Go do something else. Uh, it just really, it's really fucking irritating when they, they do that shit. It just gets, makes me sick. It's like, grow the fuck up. Uh, but, so now, like, that's not even the biggest part of the news, but, you know, if Burton and Dino decide to go out, they're going to call it Fear Campaign. And it all brings you back to the original article, which is they're considering doing a tour playing Solva New Machine in its entirety. I'm down with that because that's one of my favorite records from them. It's their darkest, their heaviest. And uh, my, only, my only concern, though, because of this is that I'm not sure if Burton can really pull it off uh, vocally. He could probably do, obviously, the cleans with no problem, but... You know, I noticed when I saw them, I've seen them live, like, three or four times over the years. I haven't seen them, like, in recent years, but I saw them in 93 when they played with Sepultura and Hammerjacks. They were opening up, and they were, you know, they were at their prime, and they were touring for that particular record. Uh, then I saw them again at OzFest um, in 98, I think, or 99, one of the two. Uh, and when I saw them there, now granted, OzFest, for whatever reason, many bands that I've seen play there don't always sound that great in the festival environment. Uh, it could be more due to the sound guy just not being very good, because I know Megadeth I saw one year at OzFest, and they just sounded terrible. 
terrible. Um, but I've seen Megadeth in other venues in the past, and they sound fine, but it could all be determined on the sound guy who was working it and whatnot. But when I saw them for the Obsolete Tour at Ozfest, like, Burton didn't have that really rough vocal work that you were expecting uh, from the earlier stuff, uh, even from D-Manufacturer. So part of me wonders at this stage, can he really get away with doing the really harsh stuff? Because, I mean, if you're going to do that album, you got to do that album justice. You can't just uh, wing it out there and hope for the best. Like You need to be able to pull that shit off now. Maybe he can, which would be great. Uh, I'm certainly interested as, like I said, that's one of my favorite records for them, but, um, that's a cool idea. I hope they, uh, go with it. I mean, unfortunately, they're not, probably not going to be able to use Fear Factor as a name because, you know, as I said before, pettiness with the band and all the other bullshit, but hopefully it gets worked out. I'm, I do want to see this if they do it, so that's some news for you on that front. I've got a new band I haven't heard before and track uh, from Horror Pain uh, Records with uh, Mike Giuliano who sends me this stuff occasionally and the band's called Carrie and Veil and this song is called Inception to kick off the next block.
With you on the Metal Tower Podcast, new episode of the Hordes of Chaos. 
as promised, I got a lot of movie, uh, movie news for you. Uh, first couple things I want to get to is uh, Mad Max, uh, if you remember Fury Road. Um, I think I might have had a discussion about this a while back on another episode, but Fury Road was great. It's like a 10 out of 10 movie for me. Um, but I don't treat it as an actual Mad Max film, and that kind of bothers some people because, you know, obviously there's always... There was some backlash because Charlie's Theron was the main protagonist, and, you know, people are like, well, it's sexist because people didn't like it or whatever. I mean, there's probably some of that out there, but for me, the movie was really good. Uh, but I don't consider it a Mad Max film because Mad Max wasn't the main uh, protagonist. He was in it, but he wasn't the hero per se. It was Furiosa and pretty much the women that were traveling with her. Um, I highly recommend the film because it is a fantastic film. Uh, made by the same guy who did the earlier films, uh, Miller. So it's not like you're losing anything in that respect. I mean, really, Thunderdome was probably the weakest, but that was the one more geared towards uh, the mainstream and like PG-rated crowds. Uh, Fury Road, I don't. It might have been PG-13. I don't remember, but uh, it was a lot, It had a lot more edge to it than. The third one did. But either way, because Furiosa was such a a staple and such a, at the forefront of that film, I really consider it just her movie. Which is fine because as I look at the article at MovieWeb, uh, they're obviously talking about doing a prequel to uh, Fury Road. And of course, their main person is going to be the main character to be Furiosa now. They're not going to use Charlize Theron because I think they're obviously going to go younger. They were thinking about doing the whole idea of making her look younger with CGI, but it's a little tricky when you do that. So, one of the... They don't have a cast yet for it or anything, but one of the names brought up was Enya Taylor-Joy, who you might have remembered from the movie The Witch or uh, Glass. So, she's a really good actress. I like her a lot. Um, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, so I, I'm down with this, and they said they want to try to expand, like, the Mad Max, uh, universe, basically. And that's not a bad idea. Like, Mad Max as a character is fantastic. Um, I don't know how much of that, like, I don't know how much they're going to broad out with that. Like, for right now, we know there's basically Furiosa and Mad Max. I don't know what other heroes. You could probably take one of the, um... I don't even know where you bring them, the other characters from, but I, I mean they can get creative with it. It's not like it's not open to to create new characters anyway. But uh, I'd be down for a prequel. I literally liked Fury Road, so it was really good. Just not what I would deem a Mad Max film. It's just basically like a side quest for me in that. So that's pretty much how I treat it. It's, it's the same kind of thing with the Suspiria reboot. Is that I didn't really see Suspiria's. Uh, direct remake of the original. It used a lot of the content and plot to create its own, but it's a whole different entity altogether. So uh, I'm able to separate some of those things so that it doesn't really ruin <laughs> my movie experience. And obviously, I have a little bit of appreciation for the Suspiria remake because it is unique to its own. Uh, and I can separate that. Mad Max, uh, Fury Road is definitely part of the series, but it's more about Furiosa and her character than Mad Max himself. So, something to look forward to there with that. Um, also in the works, apparently, is 
uh, Beverly Hills Cop 4. So I don't know how many of you grew up on all those Beverly Hills Cops movies with Eddie Murphy, but I'm one of them. Uh, as with most sequels, the more sequels they had, the uh, kind of cornier they got. The third one was pretty pretty ridiculous. Still a decent flick to watch, but the first two were really better than the third one. So now uh, Murphy is being discussed to come back for a fourth one, which apparently might be going straight to Netflix as a release. But they haven't even started yet, so who knows how that might change. I would think that if you're going to bring back Murphy with that character, uh, Axel Foley, that you would actually go and put it in the theater. So maybe it's going to be a little bit of both. But because they don't know of the quarantine and all this, who knows. Um, yeah, so, you know, apparently they talked to Eddie a long time ago about trying to do this. Like, this has been something that the studios have been trying to work on for a while but according to Murphy the scripts were just not right and they were as he said trying to force a premise that shouldn't be forced it should be well thought out and fleshed out so hopefully they get this going I, I really would like to see uh, Axel Foley back on the screen uh, Eddie did a wonderful job with that character and as a side note um they're currently uh, finishing up on Coming to America too. So again, Murphy will be coming back again. Not sure about Arsenio Hall being in that, but uh, that's something to really look for because Coming to America, the first one was fantastic as well. All right, let's get back into some music. Got some black metal stuff coming your way in this block. We're gonna kick it off with Somber Spawn. New stuff from them.
a brand new treasure power metal band from Switzerland. And you are listening to the Metal Temple Radio. Alright, DJ Nose back with you, Metal Town Radio. Radio! Alright, a uh, couple things before we get into our rock block here. I got a lot of good shit lined up for you there. Uh, caught this uh, YouTube video uh, actually from this uh, group called The Downfall Network, and uh, they do a lot of reviews of albums and, you know, commentary about. Uh, said records, whatnot. So I had this young guy, I forget his name, and it didn't really state in there, I don't think so, but a uh, young guy, who, he, he has pretty good knowledge of uh, the stuff that he's talking about. He does a lot of research, which is really good. Uh, he does one for Rat, a retrospective, and he basically ranks and talks about the Rat albums that they put out. Uh, Rat, I grew up a huge Rat fan, uh, still a Rat fan today. Uh, obviously, I much like Fear Factor, I get sick of all the infighting that we see, uh, especially with rap. Rap has been plagued, plagued by infighting for years. Uh, it's just sad to see. Uh, it's been going on forever. Bobby Blotzer and Stephen Pierce, they just can't get along. And then you got other members, Juan and you know Warren, of course. And then, of course, when Robin Crosby, who was like a huge contributor and writer for the band early on in their career got sick and ill, uh, tried to come back, and, you know, they basically said, uh, fuck you, fatty, you can't, and you can't play anymore. So I don't even think it had much to do with whether or not he could play. I just think they were scared about his health because he did have HIV and actually got full-blown AIDS, I believe. But he had some other issues that happened as well uh, that where he gained a lot of weight. Uh, but the thing is, he could still play, and there was video evidence provided by this young man uh, during his, uh, his video that showed that. Uh, so I think there was just a lot of other bullshit going on with politics within the band and trying to exclude Robin out towards the end there. And then, of course, in 2002, he passed away. So rest in peace, the King Crosby. Um, but it talks about also how this guy ranks the albums, and I agree with him a lot. Um, the only thing I really disagree about with him, and it's not even a huge disagreement, is he does call Rat a full-blown metal band. Uh, to me, that they're not, and, and we've discussed this in <laughs> a couple episodes ago. Uh, over the years, because I grew up during that time period, Rat and Miley Crew, Doc and all them, they were sort of what uh, symbolized metal to me. But that was before I actually discovered what metal actually was. Uh, because at the time of all the glam and hard rock going on, even though those bands have uh, rock uh, metal elements, uh, there was a lot of underground bands that were actually playing metal uh, that you just didn't know. Venom, Death, Metallica, uh, etc., etc. There was this whole other under underground of metal bands uh, just doing it way heavier and more the more stereotypical metal band. So I'm not going to exclude Rat from the metal conversation because if you've ever seen uh, Headbanger's uh, Metal Journey, he breaks it down also by the genres where glam and hard rock play a factor into the metal and the influence of thereof. So 
it's not that I it's not a big deal to me that this young man considers rat uh, a metal band that doesn't hurt my feelings at all it does bother some people when we get that far but to me they will always be more of a hard rock band than a metal band and that's fine for me too uh, but getting into their their albums like it, it's a you know you notice throughout the years from out of the cellar to reach for the sky the band those are like four perfect albums to me now uh detonator and the self title that followed in the early 90s uh those band uh, those records to me obviously missed i think robin may have been a part of detonator but I, I think from what i understand from the research the kid did said that uh Robin was kind of pushed out. He was really into his drugs then. Uh, you can actually learn about some of that uh, drug abuse from Robin through Nikki Six's uh, uh, biography that he did, The Heroin Diaries. Uh, he talks about how he and Robin used to shoot up all the time. Uh, Nikki, of course, had his own battles with drugs and almost died himself. So there's this, like, attachment to, in that whole, like, scene at the time with drugs and shooting up and wild sex and whatever but uh when it came to one of the key things that i learned in here was that the fourth record which was uh reach for the sky it became real problematic because the label wanted to go with a different producer from the first three records i did not realize the producer was the same throughout those first three records so they put they bring in a new guy in for Reach for the Sky, and apparently it gets held up for eight months because the he, the guy just can't get the sound right. Like something's going on with Juan's bass tracks; they're not matching or they're not sounding right, and there's it's just being hung up like it's taking forever. So they had to get rid of him and bring back the guy from the first four records. I think his name's Bo Hill or something like that. He's the one that ends up fixing the record and then getting it out and so and then what ends up happening is reach for sky does very well and actually outperformed uh dancing undercover but i think that had a lot more to do with the lack of um promotion for dancing undercover because i remember going into the record store and when i saw um dancing undercover in, in the cassette shelves like i'm like wow i didn't even know they had a new record like there was just nothing out there that it told me that, you know, all of a sudden they had a new record. Like, there's just there's no advertisement, no promotional things. Uh, Reach for the Sky was vastly different. They pushed the shit out of that when it first came out. Um, with Way Cool Jr. and all that other stuff. So, I mean, Dance, I think, even though I was the first release from Dance on that cover, didn't really hit till like, after the Robin and Harry hit the shelves. So, at least as far as when I saw it. But uh, it, it is funny that the producer from the first record three records that had come back and fixed the fourth but then you would think oh well we've learned our lesson as a label we're not going to fuck around so when we go to do detonator we should bring back the, the the original producer right no they don't do that so then of course detonator fails and then this the, the album after it, the self-title which is was really rats like progression it's basically they went from a hard-hitting band to basically play a little bit more blues influence because by then uh robin was already out of the picture uh one of the things was robin brought up during that time period was that he wanted to go heavier 
So he wanted stuff to be more like body talk, a little bit uh, heavier, metalish and thrashier in, in a sense. Not total thrash, but just thrashier and and presentation. So when Rat self title one came out it was already just Warren doing all the writing and he was basically a blues influenced guitar player so they were they, and then of course you had the grunge and alternative rock stuff going on at the time in the early 90s so I guess it was Rat's way of trying to compete with that market but they were never that type of band so I think Dawkin did similar things uh, with Shadow Life and they, they pull it off a lot better because uh, there are tracks on that album that I do like but it isn't like full-blown alternative rock. It's still docking, but it's just, you know, it's, I think even Extreme did something with that, um, with their fourth record. But anyway, uh, it wasn't until 2010's Infestation that Rat got back to the original sound, and they included um, Carlos Cavazza from Quiet Riot as the other guitarist, and I, I think he was a huge influence on how that record played out because... The writing in general was right up there with the first four records. Like it's right in that mix. You you put in Infestation, you would think you were right back in the '80s with that particular album. So, of course, that's 2010. Here we are, 2020. Ten years later, the band hasn't put anything out, and they're still having infighting. Like I think, Piercy and uh, D Martini are out. So now you have these two factions. Uh, Steven's doing his own rat thing. Because um, you saw him in the Geico commercial they were doing that thing. But it's not with Blotzer. And I think only Juan is the one remaining. I'm not sure Warren is in that group anymore. Um, I will say, though, with Steven Piercy, he did a solo album, which I can't remember the title offhand. He did about three or four years ago. It was really fucking good. It was very rat-esque. So if you want the next level up from Infestation, check out his last uh, solo record, which is brilliant. Because uh, it's right up there with that stuff. Um, also in this rock block, um, there's a band that uh, approached me, uh, Gabriel Taramina, I believe, the keyboardist, uh, sent me some tracks to play on the radio for them. Uh, very cool guy, very nice. Uh, they're actually really fucking good. Uh, it's like a five-song EP. They're called Silver Nightmares, and they play a, a mixture of progressive rock, and actually uh, it has like a modern rock with a classic rock vibe, which I really love. And the track I chose to play is Dee Dee Dick Dastardly, so uh, you can't say that fast enough, can you? Um, so that's me up in this block as well. Um, we've got some Billy Squire, obviously Rat, uh, Hannah Barricott, uh, provided by Curtain Call Records. Uh, some Volbeat will kick it off. And I also have some brand new Blackheart Death Cult. I just ordered their self-titled uh, debut, the full record, on vinyl. So I'm really excited about that because at first it was really hard to find. Uh, they sold out fast as fuck. So once that comes in, I'll be enjoying that. But uh, got a new track from a two-song EP they just released uh, in March. So... Let's get started. Got some Volbeat, Die to Live, kicking it all off, and I'll be back in a little bit.
be shaking and the girl is on the floor
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you out. Alright, Hannah Barakat closing out our rock block for today. Um, I believe they say she and her band are out of Austin. It doesn't say Austin, Texas though, so I'm not sure that there's a different Austin. But um, that was sent to me by Curtain Call Records. Um, the song is called In the Night and it kind of reminds me, they're influenced obviously by like Evanescence and In This Moment and stuff like that. I kind of got a vibe with them a little bit on that particular song that vocally and musically they remind me a little bit of, uh, she reminds me a bit of uh, Danista Rivero off of the first Agora record, just in the structure of the songs and how the arrangement of the vocals went with it, so that's kind of interesting there with that. Uh, check them out, she's not too bad, uh, a lot of, if you like that symphonic kind of goth uh, rock metal stuff, check them out for sure. Also, uh, Violence, I think we talked a little bit about this um, when uh, Krypton, the Metal Mania, did his interview with Sean Killian, talked a little bit about the next step for violence. Uh, one bad thing about the pandemic is that Maryland Death Fest this year was canceled and violence was on that bill. And so even though it's been pushed to 2021, I'm hoping that uh, they're one of the bands that remain still will appear at that festival next year uh, when we go because we have our tickets. So obviously hoping that most of the bands, if not all, can remain on that bill because there's a lot of good ones. I have some friends in Nomos who you heard on here who are going to be playing that show. So definitely want to see both. But Violence is working on a new EP. They apparently have a couple songs ready. But with the pandemic and everything going on, it gives them a little more time, according to the band, to make sure that all the music they're putting out is going to be top-notch. Uh, they're being very meticulous about it. Uh, they've been quoted as saying is, we're not just going to put out crap. We're going to put some thought into it, put out the best work possible, which really all bands should do anyway. <laughs> but I'm glad these guys just aren't settling for, oh, hey, it's us. We're going to just throw this out to you and hope that it sells. Uh, they're actually going to work hard to give us some of the best fucking thrash licks that we can hear. Uh, big fan of the early releases, obviously. Uh, Eternal Nightmare and Oppressing the Masses. So, uh, if you haven't checked out that middle of any interview with Killian, do so. It's fucking fantastic. Uh, Chris Grant, The Crypt, and he did an awesome job with the interview. So, definitely check them out. Next block, getting rolling. Uh, I've got some Torify, new, new Assassin, one of my favorite records of the year, and Rothwell from uh, Arm to Pit with Vlad, who sent me that track there as well. So let's kick it off with some Torify, which I believe Vlad sent to me like a few years ago when I was working with him. So here we go. I'm going to die 
and that makes us the lucky ones.
tagliare fette spesse o sottili come preferite. Se non userete i miei coltelli vi ricorderete di me. Andrete a casa e con il coltello di tutti i giorni sapete cosa farete? Toglierete per la vostra famiglia pezzi di... Thank you, gentlemen, from Torify, kicking off that last block, also providing that liner for us. So, um, a couple things more to get to at the movie news. Uh, you can find a lot of the uh, articles I'm talking about with these movies on MovieWeb. Uh, I just scan the internet and try to find websites. Sometimes it's Screen Rant. In this case, today it was MovieWeb that provided all my information. 
Um, as far as the music, I was using Metal Injection. So if you want to look up those articles and check them out, you can. One of the articles on MovieWeb talked about, basically they're asking, are the days numbered for movie theaters? And there's a lot of pro and cons here with this. Um, I'll get to a director who did Logan and uh, Ford and Ferrari here in a minute because he has some pretty strong opinions about it. I'll say that for myself, and I know some others, like even uh, guys on the Broncos forums and stuff, uh, part of the movie experience is actually going out into the theater seeing this stuff. And the other part of that is I know Neko and I really enjoy the drive-in. And let's be, let's be real here. When we go to Benji's, our, our local drive-in, it, it's, it's not like the movie is like, in 3D or super fantastic looking because you know but it's very nostalgic and that's part of the fun and, and the other thing with this is you want to help keep this going because the experience itself is worth the price of admission now granted with Benji's unlike some of the other things even though I don't know if they've changed since the pandemic but the pricing is way better than you'll find in a regular theater so for us our drive-in we get basically two to three movies at the cost of one and the concession stand is cheaper than you would find in like the indoor theaters now in defense of the indoor theaters before i get to that other stuff uh many of the theaters around us so east point uh white marsh you know these theaters have done a lot to upgrade and renovate their theaters for stadium seating uh, with the lounge chairs, uh, and White Marsh has like uh, provides alcohol now. Um, I'm not really sure who's going to go and get hammered at a movie, but it, it could happen. You, I'm sure it has. Uh, but just even the experience of having that uh, uh, that option as an adult is great. Now, what this uh james mangold the director for logan and ford ferrari is getting that with his two cents is that he thinks it's even though the theatrical theatrical uh locations will still play a factor he thinks even before the pandemic that it was basically a dying breed in terms of uh how people wanted to view movies for a number of reasons he points out to uh, sometimes they're not shot very well, so when you go into a theater, the audience is expecting clear and great pictures. Now, personally for me, a lot of times it just depends on what the movie is and how it's made in terms of, like, like I, I know Neko and I probably agree that it's not that bad in the theater when you see something in IMAX or even 3D. Uh, I've never really had a poor experience. The worst experience I ever had was... Uh, the Clash of Titans remix, uh, remake, but the thing is, that was just a poorly made movie based on totally on CGI, which was so unnecessary and didn't live up to what the original had done. Just with, I mean, I know that time over time, the way of making films is a lot different, but I still see even current films, even on low budgets today. Uh, think about Itsy Bitsy for a minute. They went back to those old animatronics and. No matter how how small uh, they approach it, 
it was nice to see that they were able to revisit that without any problem. I mean, think of the thing in 1982, dude. See, when they did the the prequel to that in 2011, they CGI'd the shit out of it, and it was terrible. It's not so much the acting or the script was really that bad because you really can't fuck that up. But in terms of how it's made, it makes a huge difference. And it's not just a nostalgic approach for me. It's just that, you, do, you know, when you start overuse of CGI, in some films you can't avoid it. Now, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and stuff like that, you have to kind of do it because that's just a large task. You, you can't really... You could spend time doing like what Toho did in the past and use men in suits uh, or like King Kong 76 and try to use that big animatronic thing. You could do that. And people probably had fun with that, but to me, King of the Monsters kind of used the CGI effectively, whereas Clash of the Titans did not. Um, it just was, and it was a bad script too. It just everything was terrible about it. I just hated it. Um, but even on 3D wise, it just I wasn't that impressed. So for me, it's not even so much that the theater experience is bad, even indoors. Uh, it's just that it depends on the movie, how well it's made, and whether or not it's worth it to go see it. Um, I think the last one I got to maybe it was John Wick three, maybe I don't know. But either way, uh, the director James Mangold comes off, and he's basically saying that. It, a lot of different factors play into it and one is filmmaking on how it's made uh, how it appears on the screens uh, he says people in the audience alike won't go and watch a film that's kind of grainy looking uh, not intentional so we're not talking like something like uh, you know Grindhouse uh, the movie stuff like that that's where it's intentionally done we're talking about just regular films and shot and bad film and not really doesn't really transparent on the screen very well uh he also says in terms of like how it's run like so you have like a, a movie theater that's run by the owners and of course they hire as few people they can at very cheap costs uh when it, and this is a big thing about the indoor stuff when it comes to concessions uh, they pay very little for what they get, but they charge like an arm and a leg for it. So now, if Neko and I go out to a movie theater like White Marsh or East Point, we're paying close to 30 bucks for both of us. And then that's not including concessions, so we'll spend another 20 bucks or so on food. Even if it's just popcorn or whatever. Now, we'll do it because we like the experience and we like being there. Now... The director kind of like busts on some of that a little bit when he says that people don't want to go into a theater while some dude next to him is eating an enchilada. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of never knew the the whole idea behind serving like actual food food. I mean, I don't mind it, like the fries and chicken tenders, but like you literally now have just they, they almost make salads for you and everything there. It's almost uh, nachos are fine, pretzels are fine, popcorn, obviously candy. Those are the traditional things for movie theaters for me, but I can see how it might be a little annoying when you have people who are just chowing down for dinner there. It's like it's, it's, I can see how it might be a little annoying for that. Um, you know, and, and he says, you know, even though he agrees that movie theaters are starting to renovate and put better equipment in, the, if they're not trained very well, so like on the projectors and stuff, so if they don't really know what they're doing, then 
that experience can really rub off the wrong way on the audience. Um, and he says this problem has been going on long before the pandemic, so it isn't like just now where everyone can't go out, so movie theaters are having to just be on hold. They're losing money, obviously, and with all the movies not being released, uh, it's going to be crazy when people can get back out to the theaters, though. I think that's really going to change what this director saying, because I think in the end, people still really love the theater experience, so they're going to go out there and do that regardless. Uh, especially young adults, you know, they, they want to get out of the house anyway, so one of the best experiences you can have as a young adult teenager is to go out to a fucking movie, you know, do dates or whatever. So I, I can see that happening for sure. Uh, but it's an interesting uh, topic to talk, think about, because with stuff starting to go straight to streaming or DVD now, um, I forget what movie it was, like Bloodshot was supposed to be releasing a theater. I think that's now on, on demand. So, and I noticed they did charge more than the usual five bucks. It's like ten bucks now to rent, but they have to try to make their money a little bit somehow they can. But you figure they lose a lot of money by no concessions. So that, and it's experience now. Again, the director's saying with all the new technology with TVs and how big people can get, they can just enjoy the shit at home. That's true, but for me, Stuff like to drive in and just going out with my wife uh, to see films on the big screen. Uh, usually we go see it on IMAX anyway. We don't really settle for the little stuff anymore. Uh, it's either IMAX or 3D. So for us, it's always still about the experience to get out there and see this and have fun. And for us, it's still like date night. You know, we want to go do things together when she's home. So, and. Speaking of Netco, she should be back in about eight days, so we'll have her back into the fold soon. Um, in other news, uh, there's apparently talk, and it's just talk right now, there's nothing in stone, but um, Hot Fuzz 2 might be becoming a rowdy with Simon Pegg. And uh, I really love the first one. I love Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Uh, the World's End was okay. I didn't like that as much. I haven't really liked Peg's stuff other than the Star Trek stuff outside of Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead all that much. He's had some moments in those movies, but nothing really tops those. And I and he talks a little bit about when he was interviewed how the only movie that he could really do a sequel to would be Hot Fuzz because it's the only one that really lends itself to that idea. Uh, and of course, you know, you think about bringing Nick Frost back and they've shot around ideas of them being in the big city, sort of like Crocodile Dundee in the second film, whatever. Um, but, you know, I love the story of Hot Fuzz. It's really funny. Uh, it's one of his best ever, really, for me. So if he gets around and make it a new one, be great. I just don't know if it's ever going to happen. Um, I guess the guy that's supposed to be kind of directing this is already working on Baby Driver 2. So if you haven't seen Baby Driver, that's a really good film to check out as well. Not related to Simon Pegg. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's basically it for the movie stuff today. Uh, I'm going to get into another block of music for you here. Uh, this is going back for creator, some old stuff, Pleasure to Kill. Really 
a Crush Metal Band Poker Face from Russia and you are listening to Metal Tavern Radio.
Classic obituary from the Cause of Death record featuring the mighty James Murphy and guitars. DJ Nibbles back here with you on Metal Time Radio Podcast, getting ready to close out this edition of the Hordes of Chaos, episode 64. <clears throat> Hope you all enjoy it. Hope you enjoyed the topics. And as I said, Neko will be home soon. Special thanks to. Crypt and Scully, Metalomania, Sky Nielsen Promotions, and obviously the labels and promotional sites that send me all this great music a lot to play for y'all. Much appreciated. And of course the bands themselves. Uh, I'm glad. I'm hoping to get the word out for some of you guys out there. Uh, so people can discover you and fall in love with your music like I have. One last track for you. It's a band called Marchadin. Invisible Cities. Take care all. Peace. Keep it metal. Later. <laughs>